everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 453 being recorded on June 7th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the uh, crypto mining capital of Florence, Kentucky, um, <laughs> where apparently while I was gone, uh, every corner of the office now has multiple <laughs> GPUs running uh, uh, coin mining and stuff like that. I so don't know what you're talking about. We definitely yeah. have shut a couple of the systems off so we can record the podcast without blowing any uh, breakers. White noise, uh, etc. Yeah, you know, whatever. White noise is fine. Yeah. It just That just proves to people this is a real working environment. <laughs> You know, oh, like we're actually right. doing numbers are crunching work. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what numbers yes. are crunching anymore, but they're crunching. I don't even know. Like, I, I'm more confused by the fact that we're using what's nice hash is the mm-hmm. is kind of the intermediary. Very but, nice. But yet we get paid in Bitcoin, but we're not really mining Bitcoin. We're not mining Bitcoin we, at all. We mine. We mine whatever somebody pays us to mine. Yeah. Through a bidding mm-hmm. system. This is so stupid. I know it's confusing. This whole thing is is. spent the better part of a week understanding to, it. to create currencies that don't exist. And yep. probably won't matter in six months. And I still don't understand. What's this new one? Ethere- Ethereum? Ethereum? Well, Ethereum's... That's been around. Ethereum's like the third most popular one next to Litecoin and Bitcoin. Ethereum is not going to be able to be mined so soon. This isn't going to be our big topic of the day. I just want to ask you a question. What is the goal? What... what, what <laughs> the cryptocurrency Profit. is like... What are they... What are they... What is the goal? It's like an anonymous currency, right? Yeah, but is like is the goal of the goal of Bitcoin, which is the biggest named one, right? Mm-hmm. Was to become a legitimate currency um, thing, right? Yeah. You could buy pizzas with it. You could go to stores with it. You could do all that other stuff, right? But it never hold happened. On, hold on, hold that thought because speaking of pizza, I know the pizza guy. You story. know the pizza guy yeah. story? Oh, okay. I mean, well, we did the same thing here not. nine years ago, where we were seven years ago, where we were mining Bitcoin, and had we let those go. I wouldn't have this job. I'd be somewhere else. So, so the listeners Could be eighty know, million dollars, right? So, so the listeners know the first Bitcoin transaction was some dude got uh, exchanged ten thousand Bitcoins so somebody can order like a couple of Papa John's pizzas for him or something like that, right? But it, the number was ten thousand. Ten thousand Bitcoins. Bitcoin were exchanged uh, for a couple of pizzas, and today ten thousand Bitcoin. Well, one Bitcoin is what right now twenty seven hundred dollars. Twenty seven hundred dollars for one Bitcoin. So multiply that by. Ten thousand, and you have a really expensive. How can anybody think that this is? It doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to have Just a story get about the this money eventually. and run. Yeah, basically. Yeah, get your money while you can. Um, so let's talk a little bit about I don't know the show we're on. Uh, PCpro.com slash live. We record the show on Wednesday nights, uh, ten p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific, uh, and you can go there and hang out in the chat room and interact with us and and uh, see all these things we talk about for for crypto mining and. I don't know what else we do. Random other topic uh, You can of the see week. us try to figure out the technicalities of running a website in a, in a podcast, a live stream every month or every week. Um, if you want to come to those live streams, but you forget about them because you're very busy setting up your <laughs> RX 400 series cards and, <laughs> and an 11 PCIe slot motherboard or something like that, you can go to PCPer.com slash subscribe. You get this page here uh, that basically asks for your name and your email address and we will send you a notification when we're going to do a live stream. And not just for the podcast, but for other events that we might hold. Uh, most recently, we had uh, uh, AIMPAD for analog keyboards. We had a really cool technical discussion about, about all that stuff as well. So PCPro.com, subscribe for that. And then uh, we still have our Patreon campaign going. That is at Patreon.com. This is your uh, opportunity 
your method if you want to uh, contribute on a monthly recurring basis to what we do. Um, if you like the podcast, if you like the videos, if you like uh, the reviews we do, if you think that we should be able to keep people like Josh around, you know, for whatever reason, uh, whether it be, whatever. you know, writing content or bathing, you know, things like that. Th- th- these are all necessary. The bathing, especially. Um, so we appreciate hey, you know, everybody. This is all virtual. There's no smellorama yet. You don't have to Thank smell it. God. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to disable that if that ever, if now, that ever pops up. Now, do out. we take Bitcoin? I don't know. You have to ask Patreon about no. that. I mean, mm. if you want to send me Bitcoin, I mean, I'll... You I'll, don't even know how to get Bitcoin, do I you? I don't, know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to get Bitcoin. I don't know how to do that. But, I mean, the answer would probably be yes. Um, so, we do appreciate everybody who is a uh, Patreon contributor to our site. It's it's extremely helpful, uh, and, and it's it's definitely needed. If you become a new patron or increase your patronage... During the stream, we I will read out your email and name and thank you uh, during the live stream, which we have one of currently a new pledge of three dollars and ninety nine cents from Australia's weak arse exchange rate. So three ninety nine. So three ninety nine. So what everyone should do is they should install nice hash on their computer, mine with their GPU, and then put that towards our Patreon. Hey, I mean, yeah. we're telling that, yeah, that seems yeah. perfectly reasonable. So, like, a and t- when your t- GPU dies, we won't do anything about it. Correct. If if you exp- if your GPU experiences transistor evaporation, <laughs> that's on you. Could we set up a wallet for that? I mean, we could Bitcoin wallet, PC per Patreon Bitcoin wallet, and just have the code. Just I mean, it wouldn't be, public, be a Patreon right? at that. It would really, be, it would just be money PC per yeah. money. Yeah. money drop. But the code for that, <laughs> the way Bitcoin work, okay. you could just. I bet you that website's available. Yeah. You could just put that wallet ID out. Yeah. Legal or illegal services. Well, yeah. Legal only. Um, so there you go. There's that. Uh, so thank you to uh, Australia. I guess not thank you to Australia's weak arts exchange rate, but, uh, but, but there you go. There you go. Uh, all right. So let's um, talk about stuff. First thing we're going to do is talk with Alan about how 3D Crosspoint phase change memory works. Hey, guess what? It's face change. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Is I don't really want to walk through this thing where you've got a whole bunch of like sciencey terms and there's a freaking periodic table. You don't in like sciencey terms? I mean, look, look, I ain't in school anymore. Wait, just, did he what? put in case you f- forgot what the periodic table looks like? I didn't. I didn't say that. I don't think did I? I, I it's been a long time since I looked at a periodic table, and I wouldn't know uh, the 16th column is where those particular. You know what? Before this article, Elements I really didn't are. even know that a columns corresponded to a particular group. I well, never actually really? like. Are you kidding? The noble gases. Well, the, I get that, but I didn't like all the middle ones. Like, who the hell Metals cared about those? Metal. Like, I agree. Yeah. So, so I didn't know that the sixteenth one was calcogenides. Damn American schools. Like Cal- that's just Cal- calcogenides. Calcogenides. Exactly. So, three uh, D crosspoint memory is the technology that powers Intel Optane and that Micron has announced is going to power future products of Quant theirs. X. Quant X is the brand they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically Intel and Micron both have been very cagey about how the technology works. Um, you know, just trying to maintain their competitive advantages and, and doing all that stuff. Indeed. Uh, so I would uh, defer to you here and just say what's interesting about what I'm looking at here, I guess. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to walk our readers through, like, uh, what first of all, like, what's in there? Can we make a reasonable guess now, now that it's out, right? And we can. 
And then on top of that, uh, you know, when that answer is phase change, right? But then on top of that is like, uh, okay, what the heck is phase change? Right. Because right? not everybody can wrap their mind around, okay, you could say it's a phase change thing, but you don't even know necessarily what that means or how it stores bits or whatever. Right. Um, so what it basically boils down to is just a mixture of some of the, um, basically what's called like semi-metals or metalloids as a, a group of elements in the periodic table. All right. Um, it's actually in that periodic table. If you go to it, it's like, it's the yellow boxes okay. there, right? So it's not a particular row or column. It's like a little cluster of them, right? Uh, and if you're into like semiconductor stuff, or even just basic electronic stuff, and you looked at how what makes transistors work and like P and N material work is like you dope silicon or germanium with some other kind of material, like boron is one of them. And oh look, those three elements I just named are yellow ones, mm. right? So those are all kind of like the group of things that you you know make semiconductor kind of things out of. Gotcha. But what we're not used to, uh, you know, understanding or even knowing exist is that. Other elements from those groups of the of the metalloids, the yellow group there, um, can can like undergo and have uh, phase change properties. Uh, in other words, different kinds of structures based on the temperature that that element or mixture of elements seems to be is sitting at for different durations of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and these mixtures of these things actually started out uh, in things you would be familiar with, like. Uh, CDRWs, DVDRWs. Okay. okay, those are the same kinds of mixtures of elements, are very similar. Uh, and if you just have them sit at different temperatures for different durations of time, they will have uh, a couple of different possibilities of what their properties are. So, one of those is called amorphous. The other one is called crystalline. So, amorphous is just everything's all mixed together. Right. Right. My like homogenous kind of like everything's. Nice, smooth mixture. Uh, crystalline is just as you might imagine. Like, if you were to break it, uh, you know, like crack the material in half or something at that point, it would have like a rough surface to it. Like when you break a really hard metal and it looks like a, it's really a fracture to it and it has like a like jagged edges and, you know, crystalline okay. surface, right? So those two different states actually conduct differently. And so that's what phase change takes advantage yeah. of. When so, so on the optical disk side, those two different properties, those two different states have different reflectivity. Mm, right? Okay. So your laser, you know, changed, you know, bounced back or didn't right. or, or bounced back less off of the surface. Right. Uh, versus if you were to actually put a couple of, you know, uh, voltmeter leads or test probes or whatever on that same material, even right. in the different states, yeah. they will conduct in, in, they have different properties of how they conduct, right? Okay. Um, so when you basically, to, to, to make it super simple, if it's in the set state, the material is crystalline, and it acts like a resistor. Okay? Mm-hmm. Put a little bit of voltage on it, you get a little bit of current. More voltage, more current. Linear. Okay. Regular resistor. Uh, when it's amorphous... It has a completely different property that you might have never seen a thing do. Like, it doesn't look like a diode. It doesn't look like a resistor, a transistor. Basically, the voltage will increase to a certain threshold. And then all of a sudden, it starts to conduct. Only once you get past the threshold. Hmm. Okay. And then it acts resistive above that. 
Okay. All yeah. Right. Uh, thing is, it doesn't c- conduct at all. It looks kind of similar to like a diode profile, but it's really good at not conducting at like almost at all until it gets to, in, in the case of that chart there, 0.6 volts. Right. Um, thing is, once it starts conducting, the very same material that is now carrying current is resistive. And if you put enough voltage on it, you can actually change the temperature of the material. If you hold the temperature at around 300 degrees Celsius, it will grow crystals. Okay. Okay. And then you can let it cool back down. Now it's crystalline. And now it acts like a resistor from that point forward. Gotcha. Never changes until you get it up to around 600 degrees Celsius, which you would just apply more voltage to it. The crystals melt away? The whole thing just melts. It's 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 like an ice cube melts. Nice. And then if you let it cool off rapidly, it passes through that 300 degree range too quickly for it to grow any crystals. I see. So it freezes in the amorphous state, and now it's back to that, you know, doesn't conduct until it hits a certain point thing. Right? Okay. So now you can store bits. Yep. Cool. Right? Uh, then if you scroll down some more. School I, physical sciences. Can, materials are just magic. Dude, this is cool stuff, right? So, so you, <laughs> can, you can completely, you can skip all the other stuff. I go into detail on different kinds of materials and whatnot, but yep. you skip to the next page. Uh, and this is what actually is like the magic, the true magic for making Crosspoint a thing that you can buy and like workable in a largely scaled thing with a relatively high density. Okay. Okay. And that is the selectors. This is like the true magic of this technology, okay? Because phase change, we've heard about it for years. People have been messing with phase change, you know, junctions for decades. We've heard about it for a very long time. And that's that calcogenide material. That's fine. You can make one bit out of it all day long. You can make a bit with a transistor to turn to select that bit all day long. But it's still a very large, relatively large storage device, you can't fit a lot on a die. Mm-hmm. So we want to put a bunch of them together. As to make tight as possible, memory. as dense as possible, right? Um, and there is a crosshatch style design, which is like as dense as you can make connections, right? right. And that's that grid we're looking at. But uh, the selector is the only way that makes it possible for you to put these things so tightly together because we actually have like a schematic diagram looking thing on the left there. You have a very large number of parallel paths around the very specific crisscross point that you're trying to pick. Yeah. Right. And they all seem resistive and a bunch of parallel resistive paths, you know, currents will find their way around it and you can't read the bit you're trying to read. There's too much other crap in the way, right? It's, it's interfering with your signal. Um, by using the same kind of material that stores the bits, except doping it or manipulating the the compound in such a way where it will not store a bit you can make a thing called a ovonic threshold switch which basically doesn't conduct until the voltage to a certain point then it starts to right and then once it goes back down it basically resets and you can start the process all over again because it didn't turn crystalline it didn't stay resistant Mm -hmm. right so Intel and Micron, for this crosspoint stuff, built those switches into each cell. So each cell is like two parts. you got the part that stores the bit, and another part that's very similar material, just a little bit tweaked, that doesn't store bits, but acts as a switch so that none of the parallel paths see any current going through them. Mm. Which, that's what lets you zero in on the bit you're trying to actually access. Gotcha. Right? Dude, this, um, this, is all just, this is all just PFM. 
It, it, it kind of no, is. PCM. <laughs> so um, oh, you're there's, freaking magic. there's actually some other stuff about Crosspoint that makes it even cooler in the respect of like, you know, uh, we had NAND flash. We were running into limits when you tried to put it all in planar flash memory. Mm-hmm. So people started to have to go to the 3D because you can only store so many electrons in a thing without them leaking out. And like if one leaks out, it actually changes the state of the cell. Like it changes the data you're trying to read if, you know, very few electrons leak. So basically NAND flash suffers if you try to shrink it too much. Phase change memory loves to be smaller. Because the smaller the junctions, the less material you have to change state. That that ain't right? American. Not only that, it's the <laughs> it's the less it's a it's a less amount of material that you have to heat up. Right? So it actually responds faster, et cetera, et cetera. Like all those things pile on and it gets better if you can have it small. So the, so basically the reason we haven't seen phase change like mass produced until now is a company had to figure out how to make these junctions work with this switch or the selector and the phase change material right next to each other, right? And they also had to figure out how to shrink it down to about 20 nanometer size. So this stuff wasn't viable until it hit the, the, the node size that flash memory actually runs up against its limit with. Mm, okay. Right? So it's like, that's good. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Um, and we actually have a picture in here. Tech Insights uh, sliced some of this open since, of course, like it's on the market now. So they could buy it and they have electron microscopes and whatnot. So they could really dig into it. But uh, what kind of just... saw do you need to be able to get it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got a table saw in the lobby. Yeah, yeah just table saw. Very just, sharp. We got a 16 gig Optane thing over there on the desk. We can just, you know, take it, hit the table saw. Mike, you know, little magnifying glass. Good to go. Um, but the, I th- the funniest thing I found when researching this article was that all of this, all these slides I'm putting in here, it's all open source information. You can go, you can Google around and find all these slides that yeah. I used. They're all put out by Intel and Micron and Mnemonics, which was acquired by Micron back in 2010, 2011. Yeah. Right. Um, so I can so, make this in my backyard. Well, it's like the companies were excited <laughs> and they, and they were, they were uh, presenting on these things at different, you know, different events saying, Hey, look, this is exciting new technology that could be a thing. But then uh, everybody clammed up in 2011, I would imagine because they, somebody put enough, you know, Put enough math together there to go, oh, wait, we actually can do this. Enough math for the higher-ups to go, wait, you idiots, stop talking yeah, about stop yeah, talking it's about a product. It turned yeah. from a research to a product at that yeah, point. Yeah, and when, it turned in, and when it turned into that, everybody got quiet. Um, and uh, the, the thing that kind of held me back on even writing this, it, it was that there was this nagging thing the whole time, was that Intel like adamantly said, this is not phase change memory, like at the Crosspoint point. They launch, did, yeah. Right there, it's not. But they also said... The, property, the properties of the whole cell change when you write it. In other words, the selector and the, and the material. Which, by the way, that's what happens if you have this, this switch that has mm-hmm. to do a phase change at the same time that the cell itself changes phase, right? So, like, half of their statements match up with this. The other half kind of didn't. <laughs> but I think what it's really down to, since there's overwhelming proof now that, look, it's actually a phase change, is uh, that the... What was the acronym I used in the thing? It's basically Intel might have been a trying to protect their product, like they don't want to just come out and say, "Ooh, it's phase change," like two years ago, right? Because that would give everybody else two years to try to like make their own phase change, right? So it might be throw off their competition a little, and maybe they were defining 
phase change a little bit too precisely. Right. Like maybe they defined, oh, well, if we use this special kind of switch and selector, we're not going to call it phase change because everybody else is doing it with a transistor or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I don't know. In the article I wrote, it was like, you know, maybe they tried to say that a a zebra wasn't a horse. Right. But it's... I think there's like, probably some animal scientist out there that will tell you a zebra is not a horse. It's pretty accepted. I mean, it's a stripedy horse. horse. I get it. Right. Yeah. But so there you go. Maybe yeah, that's kind of like, like maybe that's where they were coming from. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, literally everything we have access to now, including the tech insights piece, which I, you know, they even listed some elements in their preliminary findings, and they all matched up to the calcogenide kind of, you know, material composition. So mm. it's cool. It's it's really cool. It's really cool how that works, especially when you look at that cross section and you realize just how small. Like it's a yeah, it's a little, right there. Look at that cross section and look at how thin out of. So to be fair, like the uh, the larger transistors underneath there are probably like what are we looking at size wise? This is built on twenty two. Well, no, it's twenty two is the cell sizes of the phase change. Oh, okay. So those transistors now, granted, those are meant to be like power handling, so they're right, going right, to be larger. Right. They're probably like forty or fifty, okay, uh, nanometer ish, right? Um, yeah, but uh, and you can tell like that that driver circuitry is mounted underneath, and out of that whole thickness of that die, you have two layers of cross point sitting there, and it's like. It's almost nothing of, of the thickness yeah. of the thing, yeah. right? So Interesting. And they're supposed to be able to stack these higher than two layers. Two layers is only supposed to be the initial thing. Think of how many layers you could physically fit in so, there. So if they do it sooner and cheaper, well, like 10 cents per gig. Just remember, the more the more layers you stack on top, the more complicated it becomes to drive the, the different layers, right? Because you're adding another yeah. layer. You have another whole set of connections to make, right? Um, so you need more driver circuitry underneath, yeah. right? And on top of that... You're also adding another layer worth of possible parallel paths around that, mm. you know, to sneak around, mm. right? So that's cool stuff. I, you know, I, we'll leave it at that. I would encourage you guys if you have more interest in this. There's a lot more detail in uh, Alan's article on the uh, on the site there, which is uh, accurately titled "How 3D Crosspoint Face Change Memory Works." Yeah, we had a big discussion about what the title of the story should be, and that's what we came up with. So this, maybe, maybe my we'll, titles were great. I forgot what your title was. It was so good. One thing Intel forgot. doesn't want you to know about 3D crossbow. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's true. We you'll, never, wanna, you'll never believe. You'll never believe what's inside Intel Crosspoint. All right. Before we get to the next story, quick shout out to Jordan Campo, who became a Patreon for $3 a month. Thank you, Jordan, for that and uh, for your tweet uh, of the giant Ryzen uh, Threadripper processor. Oh, that was, that was so, awesome. All right, so we'll, we'll run through some of these other things pretty quick. Uh, Sebastian posted a review of the ECS Leva. Leva, Leva Which one is it? Leva. You've been going through this for years now. No. Just pick one. Leva Z review. Leva it is a fanless, yeah, a fanless <laughs> Apollo Lake mini PC. Uh, you know, this is basically the the Nook uh, kind of sentimental uh, integration here but but this is uh, this is fairly low, perf- low not only say low performance but it's it's on the it's it's low performance right this is the apollo lake stuff it's pentium celeron n4200 based um you know sodium memory emmc memory uh for storage but there is an m.2 sata expansion slot in it as well so that's beneficial uh you've got Did, uh, can you remember the last apollo code name of a product Code name of a product? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. 
What was it from? Via. That was a long time ago. Yeah, well, they, they did Via. that Pentium three chipsets, the Via Apollo Pro. I was gonna say they did a lot, several of those, didn't they? Yeah, they did lots. Yeah. Good old foreign ones too. So I mean, you can see this is that type. Same, again, same same design idea as a Nook. It even comes with like the Visa mount uh, plate in there, USB three on the front, including uh, Type C, uh, which let me look back here at the specs. I assume is just Gen one. Yeah, USB three point one Gen one. Um, and the Type C is actually just 3.0. What's the difference between 3.1 Gen 1 and 3.0? The ability C? to do power delivery in video. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, this isn't doing power delivery, and it probably isn't doing video, but there is a over difference that. Well, in theory. On the back, you got mini DP, HDMI, and two Ethernet connections. Um, two Ethernet? It, huh. Yeah. Interesting. Why would I, why would I want that? I'm trying to for that. Oh gosh! Yeah, back server with hmm. some really weird setups. It's a it's a set like it's it's a low power processor. You're not gonna make it a server. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, so you see, EPN condenser. They run Plex. Sure, there you go. You run Plex as long as you don't ever do transcoding ever. <laughs> Bitstream only. Yeah. Oh no, never. Yeah. Uh, so you can see the inside of it again, very Nook like in its design, um, but it seems to be pretty simple to get into. Uh, you know, Sebastian did have to use a flathead screwdriver to get there. So this is the model we had was a Celeron N3350. Uh, that is a, uh, what is that? Is that a two core single th- or two core, two core, two thread SOC, uh, dual core 1.1 gigahertz part boost clocks can reach twice that. So up to 2.2 gigahertz or so. Um, and, uh, Sebastian does say he saw speeds above two gigahertz throughout most of his testing. Um, so you can see there's not a whole lot of performance testing in this review. It is not meant for you know, people who are really concerned about performance. Um, but It runs he, 4K. That's yeah, sort of the performance. Yeah, but 4K video playback, right? You know, he, Sebastian calls the performance yeah. adequate but not speedy. Um, <laughs> you know, HTML video. HTML5 video was generally smooth up to 1080p, but for websites and services that were on Flash, if there, were, there were drop frames and choppy playback. Um, though the 4, 4K video playback did not result in any watchable video, regardless of format or container. So not 4K playback. Um, so this is the oh. entry level of the Leva Z. So you know there may be some some differences there. Um, then he did say one potential issue related to the streaming video exploits and the over uh, exploits is the overhead required by the Intel wireless adapter itself, which is a, in typical desktop systems would be negligible. Here, on the other hand, even during a simple file download with only one tab open in Google Chrome, there was a 90% CPU utilization <laughs> That's a bit rough. Uh, during a high-speed yeah. download. Oh, so, during a download. So the NIC was... Yeah, it was the, it was the Wi-Fi card kind of yeah. doing any of that. So obviously that would... So doing, no Bitcoin on this one. Uh, it would be very minimal. Long-term payoff on this one for sure. <laughs> uh, storage, not, not incredibly great on the EMMC. Uh, no, EMMC has the devil. Uh, yeah. You know, actually, so this is, I mean, the, that's not bad. It's not awful. It, EMMC tends to look okay. But the problem is, is a, the low on the low side, like the five twelve byte is 823. Is that bytes per second? Yeah. That's bytes. pretty, that's pretty low. And the thing, and the thing <laughs> that Addo doesn't really show you very well is EMMC is generally very stuttery, especially on writes. So okay. you'll have like if you're doing like some kind of small random write, like a registry update needs to be paid out to disk or something. Yeah. While that's going on, a it's very slow, and b all of the reads are halted as well. Uh, okay. It's just like it just freezes usually. Yeah. Um, the controllers don't really multitask 
very well at all. So uh, this is a $199 device, though. So that's 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 not too bad. Um, the chat was mentioning you could run like PFSense on it, which would be good for two NICs. What did PFSense? did you? I mentioned that the very first one. Anyway. I'm sorry, is Josh talking? I can't really. You know, <laughs> we have we have another no, guy on this cares. podcast. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, because no one ever talks over each other on this podcast, so you definitely I mean, hear everything. Josh. I mean, two hundred. What are you bucks, talking though? about? <laughs> two hundred bucks, not. It's not two hundred bucks is little, not bad. It's not box bad with two hundred, you know, for two hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come with an OS, right? Does it? Actually, I guess I don't know. Let me Does see. Does it come with the RAM? It may no, come, right? So you have to add RAM, I think. Yes, correct. It is, uh, and you have to add the SSD. Oop, back one more page. Let me check. We don't have to add an SSD. What's the OS? It has EMMC. Yeah, but say again, Jeremy. Yeah. I see OS support as Ubuntu and Windows, but it doesn't say it comes. Yeah, not surprisingly not. Not surprising. So check out that review if you are interested in little tiny mini pocket PCs that attach to the back of your display, I guess. And then uh, Jim, who hides in the back of the office here, uh, posted a review of the Logitech G413 mechanical gaming keyboard. This is an interesting design in that it is not RGB. So you're talking about lower cost right out of the gate. Uh, And the low cost is kind of the target for this, right? They wanted to build a mechanical keyboard um, for the gaming audience, it had some design changes um, as well as kind of a low cost, right? So you can kind of see the brushed metal finish. Yeah, this is probably a better picture to look at. It's kind of the brushed metal finish of the design. It is red backlit. You can turn it on and off, adjust uh, uh, your, your your brightness there. It uses their Romer G mechanical switches. So that is going to be different than, you know, cherry designs abound. Um and and Jim and I kind of talked about this a little bit while he was doing the review that it's very much a kind of a personal preference thing. I really really like the Romer G switches. I even do a lot of writing on it. Jim happens to prefer a little bit more of the clicky um, tactileness of of the different cherry. Which what cherry switches do you have on your keyboard that you like the best, Jim? What are blues? He's a cherry blue guy. So if you if you know you're a cherry blue person, probably the G413, like the Romer G is not going to be a good match for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for getting into mechanical keyboards, it's got the USB pass through. It's a ninety dollar keyboard for a full size. It's not a ten keyless design or anything like that. You know, some people may see that as a positive or a negative, really, uh, depending on depending on what you're looking for. Um, the software, I, I actually think the Logitech gaming software is actually pretty good. It's been the same for a long time. They haven't made any drastic adjustments, uh, but the software in terms of, you know, there's not really any RGB controls here because it's a static or single LED color, but uh, the, the software works well. It's not, you know, overbearing in terms of always asking for your attention or updates or anything like that, uh, but it does allow you um, for brightness controls, effect controls, uh, that type of stuff through this keyboard. Um, so it, I think this is a good thing to see mechanical keyboards, uh, you know, less than $3,000 or so. Yeah. Right? So yeah. an $89 Logitech G413 makes a lot of sense. And so. it's still backlit. It's just not individually or RGB backlit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine for a lot of people. I, you just want backlighting. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've had that Logitech G910 for a long time with RGB. I don't, I don't really care what color it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like I, it's like, well, blue matches the color of the logo, so I'll go with blue. Yeah. So there you I've, go. I've never done individual like anything color yeah, for and any everybody reason. has and preferences, but yes, yeah. 100, 100%. When I had an RGB keyboard at my desk at the office, it was a cycling rainbow you all had the, the rainbow time. All the time, <laughs> and yeah, he was true. so happy all the all yeah. day long, all the days. Why would you not? No. If you can do it, 
And it was the early days. Oh, of- let me list the reasons. Ooh. Yeah, it was hey. the early days of that software, so we knew when the software crashed. Yeah, yeah, because the rainbow set. The rainbow is not cycling. What? <laughs> Something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then also from Sebastian, real quick, we'll mention here the Google Pixel review is up. Now, I will, I will absolutely admit that the phone is a little bit old, um, but we wanted to have a review here. Uh, we wanted to get Sebastian back ramped up on some of the phone side of stuff because we have some other ones coming up in the very near future um, that are going to need to be reviewed with newer SOCs and newer platforms and whatnot. And, um, I mean, like, it's still Google's flagship phone. It is, and it's incredibly difficult to find, correct? Yeah, it's out of stock pretty often from Google. Yeah. Hmm. So this is, you know, this is the Pixel, not the Pixel XL. Uh, it's still got the same hardware interior inside of it. Essentially, Qualcomm Snapdragon 821 Uh the smaller version has a 1080p 5-inch screen, so your Snapdragon 821 is too... It's a big, little-ish kind of design, two big cores running it up to 2.15, two little cores at 1.6 gigahertz Adrenal 534 gigs of RAM, 32 and 128 gig options, um, weighted to 11 AC, the Snapdragon X12 modem, all that good stuff. Um, it's a... Uh, there's These are still impressive phones, if you can find them, Um both in terms of performance, uh, features, capability. Look at this. Look at this wonderful Chipworks breakdown of the Pentile display. If there's one thing that triggers Sebastian, it's Pentile displays. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not square. That's, I'm excited. <laughs> it, wait a minute. Is this triggers good, triggers bad? Bad. Oh, okay. Bad yeah, but it's, like but it. it's nice aliasing going on in there. Yes. Yes, there is. So and, and actually, he's got some good pictures in here of uh, close-ups of what the text looks like and, and what the effects of a pentile display actually are. Um, it looks at camera quality, audio performance. Um, it's a pretty good picture. Yeah. Takes a good picture. It does. It does. The, the autofocus on those Pixel cameras is fantastic. They have a like, laser autofocus system. It's like, it's like instant focus. Yeah, you can barely notice it focusing mm. ever. Yeah, they're awesome at that. That's cool. Uh, of course, we have performance benchmarks in here as well. He does some benchmarks comparing it to the iPhone Seven, uh, the Huawei Mate Nine, um, some of the some of the more flagship phones there uh, that we have tested recently. It's uh, it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because we've been focusing a lot on stuff like the Snapdragon Eight Thirty Five, whereas there's only a couple of phones, you know, the Samsung Galaxy Eight S Eight. Mm-hmm. And plus, in the U.S., use the yeah. Snapdragon phone, uh, the Snapdragon 835, and then there was a Sony announced. There's been a couple announcements. Um, but the A21's no slacker there. It's still, it still performs really well. Uh, battery life seems decent. And um, overall, he really liked the phone. It's just you got to find it. And it may, be, it may be too late to really spend your time, unless you can find a good deal on it. Because you know, the the idea of a Pixel two coming or some kind of iterative uh, design increase on this, the rumor is they're going to like launch two or three separate Pixel phones this year. Oh, really? They're going to have sort of a actual lineup instead of just one option and the bigger screen option. Yeah, yeah, like and a it, low end one and a. And, and as as Nick uh, nickname points out in the in the chat, the the real key to the, to getting a Pixel device is your OS updates are frequent. You know that they're they're released by Google. Right, so you don't have to worry about waiting for Samsung to release an update or LG to release an update or Verizon to approve something or whatever it happens to be. That's the biggest well, reason to get a Nexus device. Don't buy a Verizon Pixel then. 
Really? They hold them back? They can't uh, update from the I don't, OTA pushes? I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think Google has direct ability to push the updates. I think they make Verizon approve them very quickly. Yeah. And also, you can't unlock the bootloader on the Verizon phone. So you like can't install I hate that this, the that beta version still exists. of Android on it, which if you're buying a Pixel, you probably might want to do at some point. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, they're about the only one in the U.S. that still does that. Uh, I don't know. AT and T usually ports. AT and T. I think AT and T might would still. be the only one I I would think would do it, but yeah, no idea. I was reading that uh, their Android guys are supposed to be working on some kind of an API thing where you would have the base version of the OS that would get approved, like blanketly across FCC or whatnot, and then there would be like the carrier specific little additions or whatever. Or if they want their GUI or they want whatever other stuff, would like reference that api right common api so that way they're trying to make it so that the android updates can be you know adopted way more quickly in other words you wouldn't need it has to happen it has to happen yeah the the whole goal was to be so that they could just okay here's the new version and everybody should just be able to like update to it you know and the and the carrier guys wouldn't there wouldn't have to be a a cause for a delay from any of the carriers gotcha like we put our package on top of that boom and it just like works supposedly like in theory but right. really good idea i hope it happens because should have happened five years ago. it really yeah they, they need all the help they can get on like trying to get their rollout percentage you know when, when apple's able to put out a put up a slide at wwdc with oh, like God, oh, they love doing that they so love much. doing that it's like what five or seven percent this time android uses on the current version versus like it's it's you know, it's, it's the biggest legitimate users. complaint yeah. for for android and it's not for, for sure. like it's not for lack of like motivation of the users to update. It's just, they just well, don't there's have probably the a lot of that too. But yeah, I mean, it's it's they don't it's have the ability to. So yeah. I, I actually I was reading a uh, an editorial on the on the on the way at, back home today about like Apple making their AR VR announcements and how once that drops, they will almost immediately become the largest. They will immediately become the largest market for AR and VR. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Because everybody gets iPhone, yeah. iOS updates, everybody has those capabilities, whereas for Android, even though they've been pushing VR for much longer, mm-hmm. uh, the number of phones to support Daydream is, are mi- is minimal. None. Yeah. Right. Uh, North Ranger in the chat says uh, it's Project Treble. Treble? Yeah, that's what that's called, Project Treble. I, I, hope, they can, I hope they can do that. I, uh, I had a discussion with somebody uh, this week, actually, where I said, you know what? Google just needs to buy Qualcomm or they need to merge or something and create that direct competitor because then you don't have this issue anymore. It yeah. still wouldn't right. help. Uh, well, I think it would. If Google, if Google really took one and said, okay, if you guys – and basically they had the ability to create pixels and they dedicated themselves to like doing the phone. They would and never they say, do hey, it. everybody else, if you want to be involved in this, that's fine, but you have to agree to these OS restrictions. And if they don't, they go, yeah. we have this. Or just – honestly, even just putting – slightly more emphasis on the pixel program and and yeah. making sure they're available and they're not nine hundred dollars mm-hmm. and um pushing it in the way that apple pushes iphone i think you start to force the hands of the other uh phone handset makers to to, to catch up i don't know yeah. one day we'll see so anyway uh sebastian's pixel review google picture review is up on the website so now we as it turns out computex still happened after last week <sighs> a little bit so we're going to go through some of this stuff, and you guys tell me if any of it is interesting enough to dissect. Gigabyte has shows X299 motherboard lineup. 
Let's take a look. Is that gold or is that just a lighting reflection? That's lighting reflection. <laughs> okay, on this picture. On here. It looks like the slots and everything and even the socket kind of have a Ooh. gold tinge. But is, is that the reflection? LEDs. Roll down and they're purple. Oof, man, Jeremy, your audio. They're purple. Man, I don't know what yeah. is happening on our end or yours. But oh, yeah, you always scroll it's down. It's purple there. Let's go to the next picture. There you go. Oh, okay. Now they're purple okay. instead of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. So uh, I don't. I guess it's not really a secret. I saw this motherboard this week, um, and I like both this and the Asus board where they have these LEDs kind of like behind glass slash plexiglass plastic fascia type stuff. Actually looks better than yeah. just having the LEDs illuminating randomness on the board, and it's actually, I think, a little bit better look, style. Look at this way, way overpowered uh, – Water cooling. <laughs> Look at the size of There's the There's not even a GPU in there. <laughs> Those are like one inch diameter tubing to like a pair of God knows what size rads those are. There's a GPU in there. Uh, where? It's oh, a, down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. on a ribbon cable. Oh, yeah, it's on, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. on a ribbon. But look at the coolers. Like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's insane. It blended Give me the, the biggest tubing you have. Yeah. Three basically. inches. What? No. I'm no, just kidding. that's too big. <laughs> Somebody should have said that. Never too uh, big. So there's that. We're going to see a lot more X299 in a couple of weeks. So stay yep. tuned for that. Uh, this one's interesting. How about this? Speaking of cryptocurrency mining, how about an 11, P- no, 13 PCI Express <laughs> slot motherboard? The Why did they put the 1 by 16 on there? You because? know. Well, they, because in case you want to game on it. graphics card. Yeah, like, yeah, if you do, if you do other things with the PC... <laughs> which you don't buy this motherboard if that's the case. <laughs> but if you do other things with the PC, you know, I, I could I, I see that. Like, you know, maybe maybe after after Bitcoin crashes again and you and you turn out you wasted a bunch of money and time, you can still use this motherboard to to build a, a regular system with if you want. Yeah. yeah. This is the Asrock H one ten Pro BTC plus. This is when you know Bitcoin sh- is starting Holy to they, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say they've 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 missed a marketing mm-hmm. um, yeah. a gold mine here. Yeah. Well, I think H- it was 110 Pro B. <laughs> <laughs> we can just call it that, the bitch plus. If you exactly. Wanna, I mean, bitch the plus, plus kind of looks like an H, even right. So it's yeah, you know. Yeah. So Asrock did this before. So this when is Bitcoin interesting. Was popular last. Oh, did they? Yeah. So it but, wasn't quite 13, I don't think. But it's interesting because like like those PCI Express slots don't are not meant to hold anything else other than ribbon cable <laughs> expanders yeah right because Wait, they don't no. match up with anything on the no, back no, of the case cut to it yeah that's a what oh, well, well, so it. they don't match anything on the back of the case but they have the backs cut out so you can put it by 16 card in there yeah okay mm-hmm. except for that one where the so, uh, so if, if, if you had single slot cards you could absolutely just put 13 cards yeah. in there. You know what? Slot, they, uh, they but they no no they wouldn't fit. Like yeah, I'm with, saying with like this like the Z height. Like there's no way. What? Like yeah, no. Uh, no. Yeah, I guess it's not a full slot. Skis in between it. Oh, are those not standard? No, uh, no. no. The, yeah, you can't no, there's work. no way. Yeah. Uh, like those are those it, are so close you couldn't fit a single slot anything in there. Okay. And you, I mean you could do that if you skipped every other one, but then you don't even know which ones match up with the back panel of the case? It might be every none of them one. do. Probably it's maybe every third one does or something like that. But it actually skips <laughs> yeah. every two spots in the ca- in the chassis. Jeremy, uh, you were going to say something. Yeah. That's so funny. I, I was going to say I've got a big problem with this. Oh. Uh oh. Go ahead, Jeremy. Go for it. I was going to say. Okay, I got a big problem. Oh. SSDs. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! Oh my god. Hey, Jeremy, go. 
No. Already cut to you, Jerry. You got to go. All right, fine. Put single-slot SSDs in between the cards so you get a little bit extra space and run that storage thing, the distributed <laughs> file system that pays you. Twice yeah. the income. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. There's a distributed file system that pays you? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. Is. Ten years to do it's, it. It doesn't... It's kind of not worth it. it is, is this how the cloud works? You make a buck over ten years. Is this how the cloud works? You get paid based on how much is actually being stored on you. You say, I have no, two terabytes on my computer to dedicate no. to people putting God knows what on there. Yeah, store J. S-T-O-R-J. All right, Josh, you were going to say something? You know what? If you look at that picture... I'm you looking put that back up. Look at all that empty space. Look at it. But like here, and they decide to put the yeah. BIOS battery right underneath <laughs> yeah. the PCI 16 slot. Yeah, Maury would Maury not approve of this. And that's for Maury. Straight, he goes straight to the bathroom and throws up. <sighs> so it, Shit, I mean, they could have put to the left of the PCIe by one slot. You, yeah, they could have. <laughs> he says. It's got two two uh, two uh, dim slots is all. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody was asking in the chat what the Molex connector was for. Uh, right, because above you're these. not going to provide 75 watts to 13 GPUs well, off even, the regular no, power rating of a yeah, that's true of a motherboard. It's got Intel Gigabit Ethernet. There's that. I so th- I don't think we have a we don't have a particular news story on it, but it's worth noting that like there was the rumor going around of. Um, NVIDIA and AMD making Bitcoin like mining specific graphics cards and what that would look like. And this is an idea <laughs> of what design changes. If you were going to make a graphics card specific for that, you would put as many GPUs on it as possible. Actually, I don't, we had this debate. Like, I don't know what you would change on a GPU because you, you want maximum performance out yeah. of that part. For the motherboard, you don't care about performance. You don't care about like the yeah. amount of data and information transferring back and forth is incredibly small. I'm, well, in theory, if you put many smaller GPUs onto a single board, it would help you cram them in. Like if you put a PLX chip and so if they had four, two to four, four GPUs, Polaris GPUs yeah. on a, on a board. In theory, yeah. but now you're now you're making so much heat that like it, pull, you know, fans, bigger fans, yeah. box fans, or water blocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, water blocks are too expensive. Yeah. I, I, my 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 guess would be for the rumors of them making uh, currency mining specific GPUs or cards, it's probably all wrong because by the time they develop something and get it out there the chances of this being as big of a deal is minimal anyway we'll talk about that next week when we actually talk about that particular story but um um anybody have any interest in the lian lee raw copper radiators it looks awesome it does kind of look pretty good not gonna lie is there a benefit like is there a thermal benefit to having these this anything nobody i mean may, maybe a, a fuzz but is that clear coated or oh no that's gonna oxidize yeah it's gonna oxidize you think yeah. so oh it'll turn yeah green. yeah Slowly. that's that was my concern it's gonna turn dark like really quick mm. it'll still work yeah it's just you know it won't change the thermal properties of it any if it's uh, if it oxidizes copper oxide it i mean looks it looks steampunk as hell it does look like yeah. I mean, I think it's still going to transfer heat pretty well. I don't think the surface oxide really affects Tim, it that Tim much. Tim points out, like, it's a nice aesthetic touch, but once it's installed in your case and sitting behind fans, it's that's true. less noticeable yeah. of a, of a cool effect. Depends on if you have 
you need only like, have fans on the top, then yeah. you need like clear white LED backlit fans or something, and you know. Uh, so that was that was also there. I, I, I do agree; it looks cool. It's from Lee and Lee, so my guess is going to be extremely expensive. Yeah, that's a lot of copper. If I were if I were just to to guess on this one, um, and then uh, moving past X two ninety nine because that's old school news. Let's move on to the X399. Uh, this was, I don't know if we mentioned this last week on the show, but there were Threadripper motherboards being on, dis- on, on display. Asus showed off the ROG Zenith Extreme X399, um, which is this bad boy here. Let me see if I can click on it and see if we have a slightly... Ooh, Zoom into that socket. Oh, yeah, look at that, oh, socket. Yeah, look at that it. socket. Oh, my Lord. It's not Lord. quite a dim in length, but it's damn close. My God, you're right, it is. <laughs> the whole socket's <laughs> almost as big as the dim slot. So you know you can make really nice sized pancakes on that. Yeah. So there's no there's no lever the there's no there's no lever on this. Ken uh, was adamant to point out that it you, you basically put the bracket down on top of it and screw it in. Uh, yeah, I mean you can see there's three there's hex three screws. hex screws and apparently the open is three two one. I don't know close one two three is that the order in which you're supposed to apply I, yeah so. you notice that that top screw there's one, a one to it yeah. and there's it's a, like a two, two here three interesting interesting that's weird it's a little weird so i wonder with when you get a socket that size so you can't really change we can't rotate the orientation 90 degrees because then you don't have room for dim slots or power delivery there's this riser card here, which is probably the Asus Dim.2. Yeah, it looks right? like it. Yeah. Which was meant to hold M.2 slots. Get it, guys? Get it? Yeah. Uh, but when you get to this length, like, if you want to have a top PCI Express slot that starts just below the back panel, you know, uh, your connectors. Your cooler going to be running into it. Your cooler is going to have an issues with it. And then you also have, like, how much space up top is there for power delivery, right? Like, it looks like there's there's eight phases up here. Um but when you're talking about a potentially 160 plus watt TDP processor, um, that's that you know power delivery it's, is more important than ever. I would posit. Hey, right? Yeah, the X79 and X99 boards have had the same issues, and uh, they were what 140 watt TDP parts. Yeah, they they peaked at 140. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, mean, I both- think that there's a design experience in there that. Sure, they're probably going to be fine. I, I think the moral of the story here is get an AIO. <laughs> I, I, my understanding, I'm, I'm thinking that 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 will be. Let's see, what was the what was the TDP of that processor that Andy released where they required a water cooler? Two twenty, wasn't it? I think so. Was it ninety three fifty? It was the. It was yeah, the, the ninety core four gigahertz, yeah, sixty whatever, yeah. And it was over two hundred watts. It required a water cooler. We're getting pretty close to that up here. Uh, I know Intel talked about having like like their Xeons already go up to 165. Yeah, so we so. assume Core i9 will be at least that. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I wouldn't expect this to require a water cooler, but like you said, like if you want to use that top piece of A slot, you have to use a water block. Pretty much. Well, no, the like, secret it, is that an air cooler is not going to fit there. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, but all the air coolers have heat pipes at least 100 millimeters long, so they don't start till about four inches off the board. That's when it spreads out into the heat sink. Yeah, you're going to run into like that way you can fit slot interference, PCI Express oh, no, slot it's interference. So high up. It's so high up. You've got four inches of clearance before the cooler starts, so you can fit everything in there. Yeah. Probably not your video card, though. And they've showed wow. like the pseudo die shots of that, and the 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 CCXs are arranged in like a grid pattern, so like you have to get to the edge of the heat spreader still. So. Th- 
Threadripper should only have two. Sure, but they're not both in the middle. Two dies. They're spread out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you can't just put a smaller cold plate on the on the yeah. in the middle. Right, you right, have to right. cover the entire area of the heat spreader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in theory, yes. You, you should you should do that. So anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll know more about the X three ninety nine soon as well. Although I don't really know what the specifics are on on dating on that stuff. And then Azrock showed X three ninety nine motherboards as well. And actually, in, for some reason, in this picture, it even looks more relatively massive. I don't know why, but Jeezel Pete's. They have more clearance to the first PCIe slot. They do. And I wonder, so that also could mean that they're not utilizing the first. Well, no, it's, it is still directly below the uh, uh, the external connectivity options here. But it, it looked like the Asus had a heat pipe over their, their power distribution on top of it. And it scooted it down by a couple million. Yeah, and this is also eight phases up here, up top. So I don't know. It'll be curious to uh, see. I think Asrock announced a board with 10G on board, an X399 board with 10 gigabit. Good, good. Which is cool. You can use some of those PCI Express lanes yeah, for that, exactly. for sure. How many yeah, PCI the, the Express lanes do you gaming. need to fully 10 gig? Um. Two two lanes of PCIe. I think they usually buy four cards, but I think they usually have two ports, right? Yeah, that's something. I think, need, I think you only need two you lanes need at least to really couple. to fully saturate that. But no yeah. word on what the pricing is going to be on these. I'm very curious to see like what the X three X three ninety nine platform will be compared to like X two ninety nine platform in terms of cost and feature set. Because mm-hmm. yeah. in, Intel's you know the board partners have a lot of experience on the Intel side. They're all kind of starting from scratch here on the on the AMD side. But will they be able to? How much of that experience building X99 and X299 will they be able to take over um, to the AMD side? Interesting to see. Apple had an event and they announced a two and a half hour long event. Yeah, that's yeah. really, that's like Jensen style, like, that's and, less, way longer. And actually, they didn't like talk about, didn't talk like, about cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, didn't talk and about cars. They, they, weren't, they weren't taking their time. They like, were cranking yeah. through. So yeah. I didn't get to watch it, but I talked to somebody who was there, and they mentioned that like there was there was a lot of stuff. They didn't linger yeah. on anything particularly on, long. On they did their OS, thing. and they did their stupid speaker, they and they did. It was easy to tell. Like the first, the, the first or second person that was up there talking were like they were like speed talking. Yeah, like they were intentionally like just talking quickly. <laughs> so I didn't. I, like I said, I didn't watch it, but I can only imagine that the spiel for the speaker was, "Do you love Siri?" <laughs> then no. wait, then, oh, it was the opposite. It was you want you want good sound, and oh, hey, it also has Siri in it. Like they're not pitching it as Siri first; they're pitching it as a speaker first. Mm. iPod Hi-Fi 2.0. Yeah. Uh, so they announced a updated MacBook line. Is this correct? So what what changed in this? I, I mean, you could call it an updated MacBook line, I guess. So it feels like when did they just when did they do the it was like eight months ago the Skylake was fairly recently okay yeah, eight yeah. months ago okay. so if you scroll down to the chart the tab essentially a. in the at least in the MacBook Pro line if you just took last year's chart and you replaced the six after the processor the six mm-hmm. in the first of the processor and changed it to a seven there you mm-hmm. go yeah and then they added like really? one model or something didn't they add one more in the middle or something no no. They they reduced the price of the MacBook Pro 13 inch without function keys by 100 bucks. Oh yeah. But they also introduced the 128 gig option at the low end instead of 256. So oh. they didn't really lower the price. Oh. There's a lower entry, but it's 128 gig SSD. Ah, uh, that's crap. Yeah, that's so. Mm. I mean, I assume these are slightly higher clocks. It's 200 well. megahertz across the board. Okay. 
the, so the move from Skylake to Cadillac gets you a little bit more performance. Did they change any of their battery life claims or anything like that? Uh, you know what? I didn't actually look at it. Uh, graphics on the MacBook Pro 15-inch actually get a decent bump. Where they started with the Radeon Pro 450 in the base before it. It's now the 555 and the 560 is the upgrade option. They had three SKUs before. Mm. so it These was, parts don't exist for anybody except Apple, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So take that for what you will. Mm. Um any other surprises, uh, benefits, plus negatives, anything like that uh, with these updates on the MacBooks? No, 32 gigs of RAM still. That was rumored that they were going to offer that option. Yeah, yeah okay. Apple's excuse is they can't do it with DDR3L, and they're using DDR3L instead of DDR4 because of battery oh. life. That's their excuse. For battery life, they claim. Mm-hmm. I thought, what I would have thought DDR4, LPDDR4 would have been lower power draw than LPDDR3. Well, it's not. It's not LP DDR4. It's DDR4. Yeah. On those platforms. I don't think any platforms... I don't think there is a DDR4L. I think there is. Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. Interesting. The, the next item was the interesting hardware thing from this event. Uh, yes. The new iMac. As Jim writes, one giant leap for the iMac Pro. Hey, uh, there's going to be an iMac Pro. So, they, basically, the new iMacs. The iMac Pro is just higher performance components. Essentially, is that right? So, uh, yeah, by a long shot. Five K twenty seven inch Radeon Pro five up to a Radeon Pro five eighty, which I assume is just an RX five eighty rebranded. Uh, prob- oh no, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is the normal iMac. Okay, so the nor- the standard iMac is five K twenty seven inch up to Radeon Pro five eighty, which I assume is an RX five eighty. Okay. Um, Except that uh, Apple can't, they can't release these yet because they can't get enough RX 580s. I'm going to buy all these iMacs. They actually literally announced a product with an RX 580 in it because they announced their external Thunderbolt GPU development kit so people can develop VR applications on Macs, which don't have VR. Is that what those giant ugly black boxes were that I saw pictures of next to MacBooks? Yep. Okay. So they're officially supporting external graphics in OS X now, or Mac OS, Uh, sorry, Mac OS now. And they're shipping them the developer kits with 580s. And they're all going to start mining. So, okay, oh. so then they, okay, so VR optimized. Uh, so they also announced support for VR. Uh, it looks like they, you know, they've taken some of the things that uh, NVIDIA and AMD have been working on, you know, improving the display pipeline, viewpoint or viewport arrays, um, system tracing, GPU queue priority. Uh, debugging for stereoscopic visualization, all those things make sense. It's supported for the HTC Vive is where it starts at, right? Yeah, no mention of Oculus. Um, those so the iMac start at ten ninety nine for twenty one inch, go up to seventeen ninety nine as a starting price for the five K. That's not so bad. Yeah, I, I think that's a price a reduction, Jim. Right? Seven, uh, on the low end, it's a reduction. The ten ninety nine is okay. Yeah, I, I mean, just the idea of a five K display. It's a thousand bucks alone. So. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it very seems, nice it seems okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, the iMac Pro is interesting. Um, is it the same size as the iMac, like depth wise, or is it a we little bit? I think it's a little no. bit more guppyish in the center. Like it's they have this profile shot. It's redesigned. It's look. not the same yeah. case. Yeah, I mean it can't be. No, it's because not. it's got the twin blowers it's got like that. Up to an eighteen core. Xeon yeah, processor in it. Yeah. And it's going to use Vega? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, it has like a vent out the center so of the back. Me, yeah. As the iMac. They touted the iMac Pro as the same great design as the iMac. It's like, I mean, the same 
ID. Outs- it's like the outside design, basically. So yeah. the is this going to be is the iMac Pro not available at all until December, or is it only available with the 18 core later in December? Okay, not at all till December. Um, it's the idea that they could put an 18 core Xeon, which is probably a 180 watt TDP, uh-huh. and a Vega GPU, uh-huh. which is probably a 200 to 250 watt TDP, depending yep. on what performance level they go with, into an all-in-one that looks like that. Yeah, is damn impressive. It is, unless it sounds like a freight train or something, which I can't imagine Apple would do. Right, that does that's not uh, really their. I mean, MO. it had like vents along the bottom edge or like just above the bottom. I mean, of they the show back, this which picture. You can't see in that picture, but I mean, if you see the blue is the cooling, <laughs> right, and, and then you the see, hot is the expel. So there's I actually mean, vents out the center of the back. Yeah, right. So for as expensive as it was and as upgraded as it never got, like the Mac Pro had a the new mac new trash mac can. pro yeah the trash, yeah, the trash can, can has very hot components in a very small space yep. and it and it wasn't loud and it was a well designed yeah. piece of hardware I it was would absolutely it was expect this to be that yeah i would too it starts at 40 it starts at 49.99 mm-hmm. um and that's not with an 18 core processor no. it's, that is with the 8 core yeah starts at 8 core um 1 terabyte flash ssd I don't remember the RAM. 10 gig Ethernet, four oh, yeah, USB yeah. 3 slash Thunderbolt 3 ports, and Vega in there. Even with even the 5K the display. Yeah, yeah, Vega in all of them. Okay. $5,000 actually isn't too bad. I bet once Ooh. these, once once the X299 platform platform and Vega come out, I think if you build a PC, you're going to be in that neighborhood. So it's I mean, probably going to be $1,000 more expensive, but for the Apple tax. We, like, are, we already know that the 18 core part is $2,000. Well, we're not talking about the 18 core. We're talking about the 8 core. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So the 8 core, well, the 8 core. I, I built a current core X99 8 core, par, 8 core machine. Yeah. And it was like 4,500 bucks. Well, the other thing, too, is that. No. That's. It's, it's confusing. Yeah. Out, yeah. But, but, but I mean, and realistically, there's no, there's no, there's no difference, right? No. It, and if anything, no. usually the 8 core parts on the Core i7 line would be higher clock than the Xeon yeah. parts. Right, so yeah, it, the because the the eight core processor in the Core i seven family is five ninety nine. The eighteen core Xeon is one hundred forty five watt TDP, which is why it might work better in there. Well, yeah, the Xeon is running at lower clock speed than the Core i nine yeah. part. So that's how they can get away yeah. with some of the thermals. Well, I mean, you're talking about a thirty watt Delta that you just yeah. brought up, yeah. twenty watt Delta. Now the eighteen core, I expect to be twenty thousand dollars or something stupid <laughs> like that. Like they're going to absolutely <laughs> kill you on that one. But five thousand dollars. So the five K display, which you can get in a seventeen ninety nine regular iMac, mm-hmm. right? You can buy the five K display for. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to figure like out twelve hundred like, bucks. I think thousand twelve hundred bucks. The, maybe for four ninety nine starts with a one terabyte. Yeah. Drive, yeah. NVMe flash. Yeah. Um, it will have some version of Vega, but they're not talking specifics yet, so we don't know if it's if it's the same Vega across yeah, all they, the they, Mac Pros. They only said like Vega up to. 16 gigs of memory, I think, or maybe up to 30. I don't remember. And then one of those, at least in the video. Yeah, they did say 11 teraflops. Yes. Uh, It actually looked like you could upgrade the RAM in this one. You can't. They said today you can't. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. The graphic sure looked like it was. Yeah, this graphic looks like you would be able to. There's like like dims. It's not user accessible. Yeah, there's no door to get to it. Like, oh, the, sure, there's right no door. Everything's user accessible. Yeah, but then you have to take the glass off the front panel with it's suction magnetic. cups. 
Oh, it's Jim glued? says it's glued. How do you and know that? You get dust behind it, like yeah, it's not Dude. it's not friendly. So it's it's just like you know, hey, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's it's it seems more expensive than it should be. But you're saying it, it seems relatively close. So maybe maybe there's maybe there's truth to it. It also is interesting because it's putting it in December, which is a long ways away, guys. Yeah, that's, that's, that's six months. From they now. announced a bunch of products that'll be available in December. What else? Uh, yeah. That speaker, the speaker, super speaker. I mean, is there uh, going to be another keynote? Like, before that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're supposed to be. Uh, they'll announce iPhones and yeah. probably watch. Like, but hey, all that stuff we talked about four months ago, three months ago. Yeah, we're doing that. Oh, and by the way, iPhone. All right. So that's the well, iMac thank you stuff. For pre-ordering. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Thanks for all those pre-orders. All right, we've got well. a long list of stuff here on the on the left side of the screen. So I'm going to go through these quick. Plex. Uh-huh. You love it, probably. If you know what it is, they launched support for live TV. Meaning, uh, if you have a Plex server that is today has to be either Android TV slash Nvidia Shield slash Windows slash Mac slash Linux, probably. Yeah, there was another one. There was another platform that was supported. No, that was it for the server side. So if you have for on the Plex server, and if you have a, a USB or uh, a USB H- uh, TV tuner or a uh, HD Home Run kind of like network based TV tuner. Now Plex will not just Plex could previously like record shows off of the live TV, off of like tuners like that. Yeah. But you couldn't watch them until the show was done recording. Right. Now they've integrated it so that the software you can actually watch live TV, adjust programming, do the DVR recording. All so type like, of stuff. like a full blown DVR. Yeah. And it's actually really cool to see it all integrated because now on the player side, like on your phone, you can watch live TV mm-hmm. as well. Like and it passes it through the same Plex system of transcoding and doing all that type of stuff. Uh, and it works really well. It's it, uh, for viewing. It only supports iOS and Android TV today, in terms of like specific platforms. But they're going to roll it out to regular Android devices. Uh, I think within the month as well. So, and that is uh, something that is offered to Plex Pass subscribers. But if you have a big Plex library, or if you're used to using Plex, um, it's also, nice to see that integrated into the same you software you package. You didn't say desktop. Uh, I don't think you can view it I on desktop. I don't think you can view it on really? the UK. Uh, I don't think you can yet. Yeah, I don't think you, you can. can yet. You can, it can be a server. But it can't be the client. It can't be the client yet. Huh. Mm-hmm. But once a show is recorded, absolutely you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it, that's the cool part even, to me is when even it's recorded. Even once you start the recording, I think you can. Because that's how the DVR used to work. No, the DVR used to work. You had to, it had to be finished had to be recording. No. It didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. If you had like the first 15 minutes recorded and it was a half hour show and you started watching the show, it would catch up with when they had just the DVR functionality. Like you could start watching the recording before it was done. Okay. And if the recording finished, like was over by the time that you got to the end of the file, it would be fine. So like a regular DVR. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're fast forwarding through commercials, commercials or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Um, and also along with that, Shield TV had an update to 5.2, where I think that's rolling out, I guess, that adds support for Plex TV. Yeah, it's currently in the beta channel right okay. now. I just got the beta update the other okay. day. Uh, so it added uh, support for more USB tuners to kind of support this live TV feature, but those tuners will also work like in Google Channels, for example. Uh, and then it also, here's uh, here's the list of, of tuners that it does support, some HD Home Runs, Hophog, Hophog. And uh, single USB tuners not recommended due to single tuner capabilities. Uh, but it also um, upgraded to allow writing to network storage. Before it could only read from network storage. So if you had a big array of content, you know you could stream in to mm-hmm. your thing. But now it can record out to it. 
So if you're recording TV on a DVR or whatever, now you can actually uh, utilize the the network attached and storage. It, it was annoying stuff. because if you want to host your Plex library, you, you want your Plex server to be the Shield, which is always on and hooked up to your TV. Right. But you want the storage to be on your NAS with a bunch of storage. You still had to have local storage on the Shield to build the like media cache, the database. Right. So you'd have to plug in a hard drive to your Shield to get it to serve media on the NAS. Mm. So now you don't have to do that anymore. Which makes sense. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about that more in the in the near term future as well. Um, imagination, power VR, ray tracing. I don't. Scott wrote this up. It is a there was a demo that was done using UE Force Vulkan renderer. Okay, um, so that's that's kind of a, a an interesting application or an interesting uh, newsworthy item here that it is using UE Four um, Vulkan. Yep. It's two major advantages of ray tracing images. Scott walks through this. Uh, rather than applying baked cube map, simulates metallic objects. Second advantage is arbitrary lens effects. Um, so, yeah, they, basically that was a demo from GDC in 2017. They just released uh, the videos of those. So if you're interested in, in that, Imagination would like your support. I think now, after all the Apple stuff. So keep that in mind. Uh, Asus has X370F Gaming. I guess that sounds weird when you say it like that. <laughs> it sounds weird, weird when you read it in your head, too. X370 F Gaming and Strix B350 F Gaming. Um, anything special about these motherboards, Jeremy? These are these are for uh, uh, the Ryzen processors, yeah, obviously. Well, we're, we're pretty familiar with the Strix boards by now, I think. Yeah. And these ones carry on pretty much the exact same thing. You've got their Supreme FX Audio. Uh, of course, you now have proper HDMI 1.4B uh, support, which is nice to see. Nice. Uh, both have M.2s, uh, but the X370 has significantly more SATA, uh, pretty much as you'd expect. Right. Three PCIe, 3.016 buys, you know, and support for Crossfire and SLI. So it's your good old Strix. It's cool it's that got, like the the B350, which is the lower cost version for this yeah. platform, still like looks like a like a like a nice motherboard, right? Like just in terms of styling and whatnot. But honestly, all they really did was uh, dump a bunch of SATA ports off of it. Yeah. Everything else is pretty much the same, including the uh, Aura RGBs if you want them. <laughs> I want everybody to understand that as I read this title, I, I, I had to think for probably four, four or five seconds, which processor yeah. is this chipset? For? Yeah. Yeah, this number we're, thing. We're, we could potentially have a two parallel B350 chipsets that do not work with each other. Yeah, if if the, if the rumors are gen of a Z three seventy yeah. and if the and rumors of an eighth gen Intel with a, with B three fifty at Marty. the end of the summer is true, <laughs> no. it's going to be a shit show. Mm. Oh, and the CPU fun times won't be that far off either. No. All right, uh, this news story is interesting, uh, and I know Josh, you did some reading on this as well. Jeremy did the post of the extreme ultraviolet lithography. Is the hope of reducing process size below current size, uh, and it's it looks gates like it's all around, man. A five yeah. nanometer chip um, that, as far as I can understand, was printed on paper, right, Josh? <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. No, 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 not at all. Mm. No, no. I uh, wrote up uh, a bigger thing than this. This is just the uh, the essential news post that they talked about that they have achieved a five nanometer, uh, or you know, so they say it is a silicon nano sheet based processor so instead of having fin fets 
which are essentially a, a channel surrounded by three gates, if I've got that correct. Yep. And now they have totally enclosed it, so it's like a rectangle with four gates all around it. It's that's what the nanosheets can do. They have utilized EUV to uh, create this. There are many questions. We can go over this, uh, you know, more thoroughly yeah. next week with with my. Uh, Unless you just want me to do it now, no, it's fine. We no, we can do it next week. I I, I think it's interesting. Um, first of all, I love photos of inside fabs that are all yellow. Uh, yeah, no, I I I I think we saved this, but I I want to want to dive more into this and see. Transistor tech is interesting. And it's so. This looks like something out of like a nineteen sixties sci fi like illustrated yeah. <laughs> book. Right. <laughs> this is where the aliens live, clearly. And these are the underground tunnels. Uh it is. Yeah. But yeah, three D X point and Gaffet on the same day will make people's heads explode. I'm gonna say cross point so that Alan's or, head sorry, cross explode. point. Yeah. 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 It's all right. And calcogenide. Ca- 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 it's not it's not chalcinide or chalcogenide. Cacao. Uh, Cacao. Before I forget, I do want to say we did get another patron uh, who added their pledge from $3 to $4. That is an increase of $1. Uh, King of Cache, Harami (laughs) Gelstrom, just edited their pledge. (laughs) Harami Gelstrom, King of Cache. $4. And I had to read... I will say I had to read the second half of his name, the the Jeremy Hellstrom joke, to understand that I was supposed to say Cache instead of like <laughs> you didn't Kay- spell it phonetically? instead of Kayash or something like that, like a hillbilly version mm-hmm. of, of Kayash. But you know, everybody's got to have their own thing. Uh, here's an interesting rumor: Windows 10 Pro, a new edition, is is purportedly being planned in a leaked slide. Uh, for Windows 10 Pro for workstation PCs, and it has four advertised features. Workstations mode, uh, REFS, SMB Direct, and the ability to use up to four CPUs and six, six terabytes of memory. Oh, God, thank, finally. So they're just taking, the, they're just taking like the server, the enterprise server, like kernel, and they're just taking those limits and they're yeah. just porting it over to what would otherwise be like a regular... Like Windows build without all the server service stuff built in right. for like when you first started up and it's like, what do you want to do with your server? Right. So I'm and a little bit side, It's not NT. I'm expe- I'm, I'm curious because uh, yeah. they say there's four data points and one of them is workstation mode, which is full benefits of massively multi-core server grade CPUs and high end PC hardware. Yeah. But then the fourth data point, which is kind of cutting off the page here, is run demanding workloads by Windows by running Windows 10 Pro workstation PCs on high-end configurations. Oh, okay. So it's so it's, it's more socket CPUs count and, and uh, memory as opposed to higher core. I think those are pretty much yeah. the same. But what's REFS? Uh, resilient file system. Meaning? It's uh, NTFS on steroids to be super, super like fault tolerant. Is it slower, faster? It's... Is it going to be slower because might be, of might be a little bit more overhead? Depends on if the disks are fast, mm-hmm. but you know, and, and then it's really resilient you, about being you, launched. You run you run check disk on it, and it basically does a Jedi hand wave, and it's like you you do not run check disk on REFS. But does that mean everything's fine? Yeah, supposedly. Okay. <laughs> like if you say I can't run it, and then the shit's also it's, broken. It's, that's it's supposed it's supposed to anything that could possibly need to be fixed. It's supposed to do on the fly, mm-hmm. like continuously. And what's SMB Direct? What are the benefits there? So I'm a direct. So like facilitates a, file transfer between PCs with high speed, low latency, and low CPU utilization. I mean, it's probably just a newer 
beyond 3.0 version of Samba, I would imagine. Unless they're doing some kind of iSCSI slash Samba hybrid mix thing. I don't know. I hadn't read about that yet. I don't know. And so that'll be interesting. So that'll be probably not inexpensive. No, not at all. It uses RDMA. Oh. Is that remote DMA? Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. same stuff we were talking about with the uh, Micron. Um, oh, oh, the big server thing that they were the doing with the NVMe uh, over. Uh, dang uh, it. Apparently, it's been in server 2012 and R2 and stuff like that. So it's okay. not necessarily a new feature, but. Yeah. Remotely, you know, access NVMe directly across the other system by just. But it would, probably wouldn't be just for NVMe. It'd just be for storage stuff in, in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's for probably just anything just, you'd use Samba for. It's lower yeah. CPU over it. Oh, yeah, way lower. Yeah, cool. Uh, and our last news story, Micron announced a push, uh, like basically their planned availability for GDDR6. Uh, this was, um, Tim wrote this up for us. Micron's graphics design team in Munich was able to achieve impressive 16 gigabits per second in their high-speed test environment. Um, and you know, on they did that on, meaningfully sam- on, on a meaningful sampling of its mass production. Uh, GDDR5X silicon, which makes feet more impressive. Um, now, I will I will say, as you look at this, as you look at this graphic, um, GD, they 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 put GDDR5X and GDDR6 kind of in the same in the same grouping. Yeah. So I don't really understand. I guess I don't know what the benefits are of six over five X. They don't make it clear in that chart. They do not, and they don't. I don't know if they make it clear in any of the in any of the text maybe, maybe they mean it, that but. both could scale effectively to the same bandwidths or something i mean maybe. 16 gigabits per second is high and significantly higher than what we're at today like yeah. nvidia is running at 11 gigabits per second yep is their highest kind of you know out of the box performance speed um yeah but that's with a lot of parallelism as well right like or is that just single die yeah each die is doing 11 yeah. gigabits a second oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah no they're running at 11,000 megahertz Okay. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Effective. Um, yeah. Effective. Yes. Um, so GDDR6 will have a new larger package, faster base sort speeds. GDDR. Okay. So GDDR6 will start at 12 gigabits per second as opposed to G5X starting at 10. And it's moving to a dual channel approach with channels that will have half as many IO links. Um, so G5X had uh, by 16 and by 32, while G6 will be by 8 and by 16. Per channel, Josh, anybody know the benefit of that of of decreasing the less, IO link? Less less lanes, less data, less data lanes for so it'd be easier to drive, but you'd need more dies in parallel to get. The same. Yeah, that's to get the bandwidth. That yeah, you'd to want get the bandwidth. Right? Like uh, yeah. I, was, I was trying to think, there's like no fundamental change here that would make that. I mean, as you get higher in your in your clock rates like that, the more of those lanes that you have, the more data lines you have, uh, the yeah. higher the power consumption. It's, it just requires right. more power to drive things at a faster frequency, right? So I gotcha. It's probably just down to like how much power can we get into the chip in a typical package, versus, you know, driving x number of of lines. So right. probably just like, all right, you know, something's got to give, and we got to cut the lines in half. Goes really fast, but you need twice as many chips, right? Which doesn't sound like a solution to the problem. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I guess it depends on what the problem is. You're trying to to solve well, like, also how many how many dies per package are we talking right. about right yeah. and that's another thing too yeah yeah and i mean you could also actually talk about more granularity of memory accesses with uh, six okay i mean so you've got the same amount of packages but but you're 
chopping down the actual access to dies uh, and half the lanes, but you've got double the dies and per package. In theory, you can design a memory controller to have a higher granularity for those packages. Mm. Am I making sense here? Does that make sense? I mean, mean, not knowing if it does it, it seems like a reasonable assertion. Yeah, I mean, you've got 256 bit uh, of, uh, you know, memory controllers. Instead of each being, you know, two by 128, you're going to have four by 64 or eight by 32. Uh, But you've got to design your GPU with the memory controllers to be able to handle that. So you're not talking about probably more chips. You're just talking about more kind of dies per module. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right, so let's uh, let's finish this show up by getting to our hardware software picks of the week. Here's mine, everybody. Are you prepared to be wowed? Wowed. Wowed. How about this? The Flowtron. <laughs> How does that cover a half acre? It's tiny. Electronic Cause insect they, killer. Because they can see it from a half acre How quick away, is a so. Bitcoin mine? <laughs> I don't know. I'll yeah. find out tonight when I hook it up. So I'll probably hook it up tonight. In 1986... My family uh, yeah. bought one of the older versions of this and put it up. Oh, they were awesome. And we all got folding chairs out and sat around it as <laughs> dust came about to watch it zap all the mosquitoes. It was it was glorious. So uh, Until that moth came around and you all got showered by bug bits. That's we true. didn't care. We all, we, we all did the oohs and ahs of the fireworks when, when the moth came in. Yes. <laughs> So uh, my my daughter happened to get a she, she is over like overtly allergic to mosquito bites like mm. they they get big on her they even they like up. they they welt up they get like water and stuff underneath Ooh. the the scab sometimes and she got bit um, like right on the corner of her eye oh that's like the worst on the, oh. like the weekend like right here and so the next day she woke up eye completely swollen shut Ugh. could not could not open her eye at all felt awful. And I vowed at that moment. I I, I went I on a Facebook chat. You from I, I put on a Facebook God chat. As my witness, my <laughs> <laughs> grafter's hammer. I, I said I, I went on a chat with all of my uh, neighbors, and I said I want to apologize in advance. And I sent him a picture of my daughter with the eye. I said because of this, um, I will have the largest, most elaborate mosquito killing <laughs> devices in my yard from this day forward. Uh, interesting thing. Were they I, the I, on the the flamethrower? You couldn't find any lasers? Uh, no. Uh, also within, uh, uh, you know, cost, reasonable cost <laughs> frames as well. Sorry, I'm aligned. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so also I found out mosquitoes aren't attracted to UV light. Uh, no. They're not. So how do you attract them to the Flotron? Is it you ionized? You your own blood, don't you? You uh, you could do that, or instead you could get oh, these packets that, of but... attractant, which are um, uh, octanol, yeah, which is uh, essentially like a pseudo carbon carbon dioxide. So apparently, mosquitoes are are attracted they, they to like your exhalation yeah. of of yeah. breath. That's how they find so is that mammals. Like artificial CO two, yeah. yeah, it's weird. So I had to uh, uh, not only get a bug zapper, but I had to get some tricks to lure them in. Um, and then it turns out they make, you know, those like scrunchy bracelets that kids have a lot of that was, you know, they make those that are coated in citronella. 
Mm. So they smell yeah, off. That's not going to help. Much. I like the smell of citronella. Citronella is not. I like the smell of citronella. I do. Weird. Um, so now she wears. Now she wear those. She's wearing those when she goes outside. So prepare to die, all bugs. Bring it's, that up again. I love that second warning. Scroll down. Uh, which one? What was the second one? Put finger in. There it is. Recommended not to be used within twenty-five feet of area intended for human activity. So should not I, be attached to a house or a deck. I read some Rue's views on that, and the reason they say that has nothing to do with the electrical issue or anything like this. The chemical, chemical is, is harmless. Is uh, it is bug bits? Oh, it is. The, it is what Jeremy by, described at the beginning. It is hit by shrapnel. Shrapnel of bug bits. Yeah, getting uh, sent your way, and they do go so, flying. Yeah, and my understanding oh, yeah. is that as well. So, so Ryan, you opted for a one and a half acre. Coverage area I did on. not yet. I did not. <laughs> I did not yet. Um, but there will probably be multiple of these. <laughs> he's instead, gonna get, he's going to get them. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to put them in a circle around my fence <laughs> Just line, like, all the way like every four feet. There's going to be one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I. It's. It's waiting for me to to install it tomorrow at home. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Mosquitoes are going to be dead for sure. Uh, who's up next? What was your pick? Let me. Uh, Jeremy, what do you got? Oh, that's Josh. Is it Josh? Yeah, it's Jeremy. It's supposed to be Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Well, Josh's pick is so amazing; it needs to go before me. Okay, Okay. go for it. This is my software pick of the week. And in case you missed it last week, you need one of these. What? Why? So soft. Oh, (laughs) I get it. It has the wrong photo on the front. Multiple colors. It has the wrong photo on the front. So if we yeah, if well, we okay. made t-shirts of Josh, how many do you think we could actually sell? Oh, look at that. There's a U.S. flag in the moon in that one. Oh, nice. oh man. That's pretty cool. Only 1091. I mean, what's, that, the, what's the 6199 uh, option? Hold on, who are you? Yeah, I'm not real sure. That's 5X. No, it's no, like a t-shirt. Is it like a thousand count bed sheet or something that you're getting at that? The, the wolves actually howl and glow in the dark. Oh yeah, I I don't know I don't know. Josh, you want to be you want to be t-shirt famous? No, <laughs> no. Okay, all right. Can I sell your Nobody, likeness without no, your permission? Okay, no. Probably, probably. <laughs> sure. He doesn't care about his likeness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, so who else is up? Is Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy, what do you got for me? Uh, well, it's a good deal for Canadians uh, if you his, wanted one terabyte it. drive. Uh, hang on, let me let me find. Oh no, it here. I gotta open it. Uh, the eight eight ultimate uh, SU eight hundred. Yeah. So it's it's not exactly the newest on the market, but in Canada, it's a damn good price for uh, one terabyte drive three sixty nine three seventy when you use the extra five bucks. Wait, is it ten cents per gig? No, ten American cents. Mm. Oh yeah, this is Canadian, so it's pretty much yeah, like probably yeah, that the ten cents yeah. again. That's why go. the uh, price is a little bit different. Gotcha, there you go, Ryan. Gotcha. Finally. <sighs> All right, uh, Alan. Uh, we need, we need to we need to do a stream and play this thing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Uh, I bought it, played it with a buddy of mine a few days back. It was a riot. Were you he, in the same spot? Were you at no, your house? No, no. He, he was, was remote. He was, he's okay. in Virginia. I'm here, and then like we, you know, if you you need two more spots to fill, if you're trying to, you need us for. Uh, there's no bots, right? You have to get real people in it. You get well, no, you can have, you can have like bots if you want. You can have AI. Oh, okay. And they can do AI stuff or whatever, or you can just get people. 
You can just get well. The AI is kind of dumb, right? <laughs> they can do AI stuff, or or you could get just a, some random random, random, random folk, yeah, uh, from you That's know just having to be playing play. the game. And they could be it's cross platform, right? They could be playing it with a, a Vive, a Rift, or, or, a, place, or a PSVR. I think is yep. it. Yeah, yeah. So they could be playing it with whatever, and uh, you don't even know what they're using, whatever to to play, yeah. right? Uh, but I will tell you, you get some comical um, interactions when you put yeah, random, possibly redneck people. On hey, y'all fired phasers on the helm. <laughs> hey, uh, burping and drinking and half drunk, driving around the starship, running it into asteroids and stuff. In this, in this, in so, oh, so saw... they're doing engineering then? Uh, no, no, totally at the helm, <laughs> like just running the ship right into stuff. And I'm like, hey, and, Captain, you know, and I'm like trying to raise shields higher as engineer to, so that, so like, you know, the the ship is protected. Did from you, did you have to say I can't give it any more power? Uh, no, I didn't no. say, I didn't say that, but like, you so know, I saw a demo of this this week while I was out of town of a, four people on vibes. Yeah. Playing this off of a single machine. Wait, really running VMs. Oh yeah. And it had four it's single like, slot like, GPUs. Huh. You're really pushing in, it though. In each VM. Oh, okay. That's well, freaking impressive. Let's put it this way. It was on a high core count processor. Sure. Mm, I see. Right. Uh, and was it doing the Linux they're, they're thing where the VMs are like it's directly passing through the hardware so the GPU is uh, like... Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. Each each VM had its own GPU. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think they had they had Tesla P4000s in it. So what's that equivalent of? 1070 or 1060? Yeah. 1070. Yeah, 70. I mean, the game isn't super graphically yeah. So you can probably get away with, with, with any four GPUs that are VR sure. ready. Um, I, we, were, we were talking about it earlier this week. We have two Vives, two Rifts, yeah. and four PCs with GPUs in them. We won't yep. be sitting next to each other. But so we is this kinda, Vive and Rift? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And PSVR. Oh, okay. Which yeah, I thought it was only also on have somewhere on Rift here. for some reason. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, it, it looked it looked neat. And I, I just, you know, and if you follow any of the stuff for, I know, Ryan, you're not a Star Trek guy, you're a Star Wars guy, but, like, if I you am. follow, if you've been watching Star Trek for any period of time, like, the kinds of things you hear them do in the show where you're like, I wonder how that would actually work. Like, you know, uh, reroute power from this to that or whatever on the ship. Like, you can actually do it. And I didn't even know, like... Is it fun, though, to it's do? It's fun, yeah. To me, like, it seemed a, like... This could be great, because I've, like, never watched Star could, Trek. Like, I'm going to be in there. <laughs> like, you can kind of... You, you risk damaging random systems, like the engines or whatever, but you can actually, like, kind of overclock them. You can reroute stuff from the... Sh- power from the shields to the engines, and the ship actually goes faster and maneuvers quicker. Mm. Like, it's interesting, but nobody's right? actually flying the ship. Yes, someone's flying the ship. There's a helm. They're like controlling. Yes, you okay. you grab a. Well, it's it's kind of like a it's like a joystick. A, it's a little arrow. It's like a D pad that you virtually hold with your finger on okay. the screen and move it up and down. Oh, and sure. and I right. wondered. I just wondered if it would be like fun more than a couple of times. There's a. I, so I've, there's, I've heard some stories of people getting on there and having the most fun when it's just random. Yeah, people cause, cause, playing. Well, as not well. just the random people, but there's there's like some small subset of campaigns or whatever that you go through. Right. And that's they're kind of scripted. Right? right. So if you just play a given thing, it's just going to be the same thing with just different people or whatever. Right. But there is a, just a random like roll the dice and just random crap will happen. Yeah. Among us of the subset of things that can happen. You know, gotcha. it's, it's kind of limited, but it's, you know, it's enough to where there's variation and you can have you cannot know what's going to happen like getting into it. Right? right. Like they're telling us to go check out this system over here and you don't have no idea what's going to be there when you get there. Right. <laughs> so, so does it use L cars or are you just flipping switches? There, okay, so that's actually, I think, the coolest part of this game. There is the modern version, not Elkars, but like the spun-off version of the more recent movies yeah, of the consoles. The where everything, timeline. 
Yeah, the alternate timeline. We actually have it's to the point where there's actually like holographic kind of like screens that are just popping up, showing you stuff to like above the the panel, uh-huh. right? So it's not like the Star Trek style L cars, the next generation stuff. That's not in it. Mm-hmm. I wish they had one for that, but it's like the new new stuff. Or if you really want to go retro and um, yeah, you can do Kurt. You can do the original series style. Yeah. Where you actually, if you don't pull up the help thing that shows you what button is what, it's because think of the original series. It was literally a panel that they just put some like different color, like light bulb switches mm-hmm. all over, right? There are no they, labels for them. And there are no labels on anything. Yeah. They all actually have functions in this game. You could theoretically memorize what switches did what on the panel to like make the ship do the different things, which is I just think hilarious. Just a panel full of just random, random colored buttons. You, have, how many times have you played it? Because I wanted in the same way that I like to drive backwards on the racetrack. Oh, great! Yeah. I would go do 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 on all random, the buttons. On the hit thing. random buttons. Yeah. It'll just it'll do random stuff. Make the ship do random oh, things. Yeah. You could you know. Yeah. And then as I as I rage quit, I'll be like Star Wars rules. Click. <laughs> right. That sounds. That sounds. Yeah. Cool. Call me when we can do a Mon Calamari Star Cruiser, and we'll hook up then. When you can do the Kessel Run. No, it's not. Mm. Ah, you can't. <laughs> Twenty one parsecs yeah. or something like that. You know. Four parsecs. I think Twenty one is what I would do it. In. I think a Millennium Falcon style version of this would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, but you can have as many people. Well, you can no, have three. You got the gunners. You got the gunners. And the two people nope. driving. Yeah, okay. driving. Yeah. You can, you, it's somebody, could, totally. somebody could be a droid going back and forth, running into walls and stuff. I'd do that. Yeah. But yeah. That, could to- <laughs> that could be so phenomenal, like, of a game, right? And and actually having to do stuff, like, in the, in Star Wars universe, like, oh, yeah. we got to go and, you know. Yeah. Cool universe. There you go. So if you have a VR headset, Smuggle stuff give it a shot. Smuggle Falcon, right? Go on smuggling runs. That would be uh, amazing. All right, so let's uh, let's end the show, everybody. We will uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have things to talk about, blah, 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 words. I don't know. Words, words, um, PCPer.com slash podcast. Go there and find all the links to the, sh- the stories we talked about, uh, uh, the hardware picks. If you need a mosquito killer, you need a T-shirt um, or whatever, uh, you, can, you can get those links there. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week, I guess. So see you next time. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Dash Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. Annunciation. Annunciation. Bye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.